Well, take your Bibles if you will. Uh, go to Luke chapter 1. We'll start there here in just a moment as we are in the midst of this Christmas uh, season. And uh, we started a series this morning on Christmas is a gift. And we looked at Emmanuel, God with us. And God is with us. And we talked about what all that meant uh, theologically. He's God with us, God in the flesh. He's 100% God, 100% man, Jesus is. But what does that mean for us practically? And it means for us he understands our trials. He knows what we're going through. And then he can help us in our trials. As a man, he knows what we're going through. He knows what it's like to live down here. But as God, he can do something about it. He can help us. And then thank God he changes our life. And I want to uh, continue on in that thought tonight as far as the Christmas being a gift and the gift of Christmas. But I thought about it. I thought about this. We, we ought to be honest tonight. I think it anywhere, if, if there's anywhere you can be honest and you should be honest, it ought to be down at the house of God. And let's be honest tonight. The Christmas season is not always filled with peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I mean, really, at times, this season becomes inflamed with emotions. There's a lot of hot emotions happens. And then sometimes it, get, it gets infused with stress during this season. I mean, think about the crazy schedules. Everybody's trying to figure out where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there. What times this one start? What times that one start? Oh, we got this going on and that going on. And, and our schedules are so out of whack. And it comes right on the cusp of, of, of the lights going out earlier during the day. That already made us crazy. I don't know if it did anything to y'all, but it, made, it, it just threw my whole day off when, the, when they, we went one hour back, but it gets dark at five. I don't understand how that works. How we only lost one hour, but it's getting early, it's getting dark four hours earlier than it used to. I don't understand all that. I know some of you science people can tell me all about it. I don't know. I don't think the science adds up. You know, trust the science and everything. But but on the cusp of all the on the cusp of, 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 of all that happening and the pressures of the, the schedule and then the pressure of getting the right gift. And y'all, any of y'all have that family member? that you're close to and you really want to get him a gift, you just don't know what to get him. I don't know if he'll ever go back and listen to this, but, but Miss Emily just walked out, but my wife and Miss Emily's daddy is the hardest person to buy. Every year we have this conversation. What do what you get, granddad? What, 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 what y'all getting him? I don't know. What y'all getting him? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's the hardest person. And it's not, because he's, it's not because he's hard to please at all. I mean, you could probably give him some bubble wrap. He's kind of like a kid giving him bubble wrap in a box and he'd be happy. I mean, he's not hard to please. It's not that at all. It's just, what do you get him? You know, some more shirts, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And so, so, but you got them people. But then you got them people on your gift. It's like, it's not that you don't know what to get them. It's just like, you know, I, my wife talks about, I've got some, some cousins that have kids and, and my wife, the other day said something about, you think we ought to get them this? And I said, Amanda, they're not, they're not five anymore. They're 15 now. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah. I was like, that had been really good about 10 years ago. I said, they're teenagers now. That's, that's not a cool gift. Let's just figure out something else, all right? The right gift, but then, uh, or, or, or watch this, forgetting somebody on the list. That's why we stopped doing the whole Christmas card thing. 
Everybody, you know, the whole send them off in the mail and everything, because then we send them all off, and then you got like 10 of them that week, like, oh, no, we didn't send them one. And because uh, and you're going to forget somebody, right? Or forgetting somebody on the list of gifts. I thought about this. The financial demands of Christmas could be enough to drive somebody crazy. It could be enough to drive away all the peace that's supposed to be around this season. I, I'll look this up. In, in 2020, America spent, listen to this number, $777.35 billion, with a B on holiday-related purchases in 2020. Y'all hear that? $777.35 billion on holiday purchases. Oh, the pressure and the hurry and the anxiety kind of bend our reactions more toward irritability than goodwill towards men. <laughs> um, uh, the stress and, and, and peace on earth, on peace on earth. Y'all know this probably, but the holiday season accounts for the highest suicide rates of the year. We, we adorn our houses with lights and, uh, and uh, we, we, put the, we put all the festive decor up and, and all that looks good on the outside. But inwardly, as far as what it looks like, for the most part, people are, are experiencing darkness of personal loneliness or darkness of failed expectation. There is, a, there is a depression that sets in during this season that majority of people, and during this time, the suicide rate is skyrockets. Goodwill towards men, peace on earth. But you know, God's gift of peace doesn't always, is not always found in times of of blessing or in what we would consider good times. See, see, we measure peace by money in the bank. We measure peace by uh, having no tension in the family unit. We measure peace by everything going our way, the way that we think it ought to go. And, and so when there's money in the bank and all that, but watch this, God's peace is not limited to good times. God, the, the, the bank might be empty. The list might not be finished. The family may not be getting along, but there is a peace that surpasses all understanding and it's only found in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the folks that are surrounding and on Wednesday nights, we're dealing with the characters of the Christmas cradle. We're looking at those people and we're going to look some tonight at some people, some characters of the Christmas story too. But those folks surrounding that first Christmas, they were encountering the most shocking moments of their lives. And they needed peace. Listen, they didn't need some overflowing joy of blessings and good times and, and all that kind of stuff. But they needed the ability to remain stable in their difficult situations. That's what they needed. They need some peace. And we're going to look at three times in your Bible, in the Christmas story, where an angel found some trembling people and had to use these words, fear not. Now we look at the nativity scene and we've got one up here we've got one back there real big you may have one at your home and it looks peaceful doesn't it? You see a card or you see a, 
uh, uh, advertise, and the nativity scene just looks, it looks peaceful. It, it looks like maybe the songs we sing about Christmas. We've sang a bunch of them today during Christmas play practice. They just sound so peaceful. They seem calm. They seem serene. But you know, as the Prince of Peace was entering into this world, there was great fear. The natural response of most of these people when they heard about his coming was not excitement, but it was fear. So much so that the angel had to say, fear not. See, God's peace is not just for the serene, calm moments of our lives. But see, God's peace is for those negative circumstances. See, when things seem like they're spiraling out of control, when, when, when emotions uh, are, are, uh, are up and emotions are high and fear is raging, it's in those times of inner turmoil that, that, that that's where God's peace seems to really set in. The times where it looks so far-fetched is the times where it is really so real. God's peace. In, and so I want to see just three areas where God said, fear not. So I'm preaching on this, fear not. Fear not. It's the gift of peace. This morning we saw Emmanuel. He was the gift of God's presence. But here we see the gift of God's peace and fear not. You're in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26 and the Bible says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into, the, into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast it in her mind, notice that, cast it in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord of God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. I know I mentioned this, and, and, and I preached all about Mary on Wednesday night, but, but just to kind of just burn your imagination again, can you imagine what's going on in Mary's life at this point? Mary is minding her own business. She is settling in for the evening probably. She is probably saying her nightly prayers, getting ready to go to bed. She has probably done some wedding planning during the day, thinking about what it's going to be like on the day that her and Joseph finally get to come together. They have been betrothed. They have been espoused to each other. They are in that period of time. We'll talk about that just in a minute. And uh, they're getting ready for the, ready for the wedding ceremony. Uh, what is it going to be like after the wedding uh, when we get to finally? I get to, we get to live together and I get to, uh, we get to grow together and get to grow older. I'm, she's thinking about her life. She's thinking about what are, well, how many children they're going to have and what kind of, are they going to be, how many boys are going to have or how many girls are going to have, what's their name. I mean, all that stuff girls do, especially while they're getting ready to get married. I mean, that's all, I mean, I don't know. Her whole day might have been filled with that kind of stuff. And she's going to bed that night and all of a sudden an angel shows up. 
And an angel, an angel shows up and he says this, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And, and, and just think about what she not just saw, but what she heard. That, I mean, it's enough to scare anybody. I don't know all about what angels look like in the Bible. Especially I don't know about these like, uh, you know, in the New Testament, like Acts, it says they look like men. The Acts 1, when, when Jesus is going up, there was two men standing on right white apparel, so it looked like men. But then there's some Old Testament description of angels. It's like, what in the world were they describing? I don't know. So I don't know what Gabriel looked like, if he looked like a man, or if he looked like one of them Old Testament angel descriptions. I don't know. But nonetheless, she knew it was somebody different. She knew it wasn't just a normal, ordinary person. I mean, she knew that it was an angel, or a, she knew it was a celestial being, if you will. She knew this, and then he says this, the Lord is with thee. So now she knows this is something, someone coming from the Lord. And the fear that must have overtaken her, the, 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 the fear. And then when, she said, when he says this, thou art favored among women. There's a fear of, of what he is about to say, fear of what's about to happen here. Is this the angel about to take me home? Right? Is this the one that's going to carry me home? Is it, is, am I dying? Am I going to heaven now? Am I going to see God now? Well, I mean, all the fear that must have happened. She, she, but she registers what he says because the Bible says this. And when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled at his saying. Not just at his appearing, at his saying, what he said. She's troubled about it. And then it says this, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She's, she's, she's thinking about this. She's, she's kind of processing what he just said. And, and, and thinking, what kind, of, what kind of greeting is this? Because all he has done is greeted her, Right? I mean, she, he has said, he's not given her any command yet. He's not given her any uh, prophecy yet. He just said, hey, hey, highly favored Mary. Hey, you're favored among women. Hey, I, I'm from God. You know, I mean, so there's a, there, it's, it's a salutation. And she's trying to think, what kind of salutation is that? And there's fear that comes. She's troubled almost to the point, you'd almost read into that, she's trembling. She's troubled about this going on. And, and so I don't, and then, and then it goes on, the angel goes on to say, uh, fear not, Mary. And then he tells her something that's more scary. Y'all catching this? If the salutation was scary, what he's about to say is even scarier. If the, if the greeting caused fear, what he's about to tell her is going to happen is going to cause much greater fear. Look what he says. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Okay, that's, that's pretty good, but now watch. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son and shalt call his name Jesus. Hold the phone. Wait a minute. Fear not? <laughs> I'm going to have a baby? I mean, even if she was already married to Joseph or if they were together, I mean, y'all women remember when you found out you were expecting, there was a certain amount of fear that came upon that, right? You men remember when your wife told you that she was expecting, there was a certain amount of fear that just went along with that. And so he's saying, fear not, let me tell you something more scary. 
I mean, I don't know how she, I don't know how she responded. I don't know. I'm sure she was a whole lot more coothful than I am. But I'm like, I think I would say, sir, wait a minute. You just said fear not and just told me something worse. You could have like prepared me for that. You could have like softened the blow a little bit better than just fear not. I mean, there's a better way you could have came about all of this. You could have like started like, hey, you know, in Genesis 3.15 and there was a promise of the seed of the woman. You could have kind of brought us up to speed. <laughs> But it was just like, fear not, boom, you're having a baby. And his name's Jesus. And uh, he's going to be God's son. And he's going to rule the world one day. I mean, I, I don't know how she handled that. But I think, again, I think if it was me, I'd be like, hey, sir, I don't know how it happens with angels. But uh, I've never been with a man. I don't know how that works up there where you're from. That don't work like that down here. You know what I'm saying? Again, I got to think she's a whole lot more coothful and respectful than I am, obviously. <laughs> and I'm not, but I'm just thinking, I mean, she's a young girl. She's a young lady. She's, a, she, she, she's, she's obviously scared. But wait a minute. There's worse than just going to have a baby kind of scared. There's a whole lot more implications to this, her getting, expect, her being expecting. So she, she's got, there's more than just, oh, I'm going to have a baby, and that's kind of scary. There's some implications here. She's got a lot to fear because there's going to be some misunderstandings that's going to come along with this. She's got to go tell her family. I mean, she might could hide it for a little while, but it won't be long. She's going to have to tell mom and dad. It won't be long, and she's going to have to tell people there's some reasons she can't do certain things she used to do. And ain't nobody going to believe her story, right? She's got to go tell Joseph. She's got to go tell the man that she's engaged to marry within, I don't know how long they've been espoused to each other, but in the betrothal period, there's a year time. And we don't know where they're at in that year. We do know this, that before Jesus is actually born, Within the nine-month period of her expecting Jesus, they, they, are, finished, they, do, uh, they are married then by the time they go to the end. But, so, but I don't know where they're at in that betrothal period at this point as far as the announcement goes, the conception goes. She's got to go tell Joseph. And I just wonder how many people, and we're going to get there in a minute, Joseph didn't believe what she said. Mom and dad's probably like, Mary, you're a good girl and everything, but that's just not the way this stuff happens, you know? And, and I mean, just think about explaining that. And so again, not believing the parents or the family's not going to believe that an angel visited her. Uh, they're not going to uh, uh, believe that she is morally pure. I mean, that's a lot to think about. No wonder she's casting it in her mind. Here's the idea, casting in her mind. She's throwing it back and forth like you know, she's, she's tossing this thing around in her mind. That's how we would say it today. We would, we would use the phrase, toss it around in your mind for a little while. You ever, you ever, say, you ever heard somebody say that? Hey, hey, I'm not going to answer right now. Just toss it around in your mind for a little while and think about it. That's what the idea is, casting it in her mind. She's so afraid, and she's thinking about the what ifs. She starts start fearing what's going to happen. Here's the fear. The fear is, I don't know what's going to happen, Right? The fear of the unknown. The fear, I don't know what it's like to be carrying a baby. I don't know how my family is going to respond. I don't know how Joseph is going to respond. I don't know how the town. And listen, the natural response to the unknown is to cast it in our mind. And usually what happens is fear overtakes us. 
We start deliberating. We start questioning. We start evaluating. But Mary didn't stay that way. She went, she started that way, but she doesn't stay that way. She moved from casting it in her mind. She, she moved to another response. She begins to ponder her situation. The angel spoke two words of assurance to her. Fear not. See, this message was coming from God. The Lord is with thee. That's what he said in his salutation. This is a message from God Almighty. And, and Gabriel reminds her later on in the conversation, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And you find uh, later on in the, in the conversation, after she hears that fear not, and she hears that with God nothing shall be impossible, this is what Mary said in verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary says something here that's a whole lot easier said than lived out. Be it unto me according to thy word. Here's what, here's what Mary did. Mary settled in her mind, her, settled her mind in peace by surrendering to God's sovereignty. Or I, just for sake of alliteration today, she surrendered to his majesty. You know how to have peace of God in your life? Number one is to surrender to the majesty of God. This don't make sense, God, but you're God. This is going to cause, this is liable to cause me some trouble, God, but you're God. This uh, doesn't line up in the plans that I had for my life, God, but you're God. And you're in control, and you work all things for, your, for our good, and you're working all things for your glory, and because you're king, and because you're Lord, and because you're majesty, and because you're sovereignty, I'm just going to do what you say. I'm your handmaid. I'm your bondservant. I am yours, and be it unto me as your word has said it. Let it happen, Lord. And that's where she tapped into the peace of God. You want the peace of God in your life? Stop chasing the world's way of peace. It ain't working. It ain't working for nobody. See, here's the thing. A mental assent to the truth of God's sovereignty and a personal choice to trust it are two different things. Here's what I mean by that. Oh, we can sit, we can say, oh, I know God's sovereign. I know God's Lord. I know he's working all things for good. I know that he's in control. But living that out in your life, it's not always easy. It's not always going to be the, the road that's, uh, uh, that's the road that's always the easiest one. Uh, uh, someone told me just this week, uh, reminding me uh, about that quote, they, I believe it was Adoniram Justin's funeral, when they said, those that handle roses will, those that deliver, or uh, those that dispense roses will handle thorns uh, and sometimes uh, living for the Lord will be the thorny patch. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, the peace of God comes in some unlikely circumstances. Boy, it didn't look good for Mary. See, a mental ascent, you knowing that he's sovereign, that's a real good place to start. But you have taken a personal choice and I'm going to trust that in my life, that's where you're going to find peace. I believe that. I, I, I know, I'm almost sure, 
that we cannot understand all the details of God's sovereignty. I don't think I could understand all of the details of man's free will. I don't think that I can fully understand why God in his perfect goodness allows suffering. But there are some clear promises that I have in my Bible that I can put my trust in. That I can say, hey, there's where I can find hope. There's where I can find comfort. There's where I can find some peace. Kind of like Isaiah 41.10 when he says this, fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'll hang my hat on that promise from the word of God. What about Jeremiah 29 and 11? For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. I'll hang my hat and trust in the sovereign to God on that. What about Romans 8 and 18 where he said for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'll hang my hat there in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Hey, there's some promises in this book but I can hold on to and when everything seems like it's going bad when everything around me seems like it's misunderstood or maybe everything seems like it's crumbling all around and fear fills my soul and fear fills my mind oh thank God there's some promises in the book I can hold on to that he is my very present help in time of trouble that he is my helper he is my refuge he is my strong tower thank God for the promise Promises of the Word of God this evening. I think about stuff like 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen, I can safely settle my soul on the majesty and the sovereignty of God. These promises and so many more help me turn my eyes on my circumstances and look at them in the light of eternity. Now listen, Mary didn't have the promises of the New Testament. She didn't really know everything that was going to come. Oh, but she did have Gabriel's promise, a Gabriel's statement. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary resisted her natural inclination of fear, her natural inclination to rely on her feelings, and she chose to believe the promise of God. And she chose to surrender herself uh, to the will of God for her life and to his sovereignty and to his majesty and that's where Mary found peace see God's honored when you just trust him God is honored when you trust him with the unexplainable when you trust him with the unanswerable things when you just trust him and that's where you'll find the peace of God which passeth all understanding that's what will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So number one, you want the peace of God? Surrender to his majesty. Number two, submit to his mandates. Submit to his mandates. Well, you go to Matthew chapter number one. 
Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 20. Well, verse number 19. What's verse number 19? Verse number 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded, here he is again, to put her away privately. There's another idea, thought of the mind. He's thinking about this thing. Obviously, him and Mary have conversated now. Mary has came to him and said, Hey, uh, an angel showed up to me last night. I don't know if it was the next day or not, but last night. And uh, he said that uh, I'm going to conceive a, a baby. And, uh, and we're supposed to call it Jesus. And... Uh, and, uh, and it's, it's God's son. And, he, and he's going to be, he's going to get on the throne of David. I mean, I, I'm just trying to think about how she would say, how you go about saying it, you know. And, I, I, and here's the thing, the Bible says Joseph is a just man. So I do not believe Joseph blowed up. I don't think he screamed and hollered like a little baby. But boy, what are we going to do? I have no idea to even imagine what Joseph would have said to her. But obviously he goes home and he, he, is, he is troubled about this thing. It's what he says in verse 19. He's, he's, he's a just man. He's not willing to make her a public example. See, by law, he can make her a public example and take her out and they could, they could kill her. She, because he knows that, all right, so, so here's the thing. A betrothal period is a legal contract, you know. It's, it's not like just putting an engagement ring on, saying we're getting married and coming up with a cute little hashtag, you know, for your wedding, you know, like they do nowadays, right? No, there was a legal contract. And for that year period, that you were legally in that con- covenant together. And then after that year is when the ceremony takes place and you could consummate physically that marriage and all that kind of stuff. And so none of that has happened yet, but they're in a bind. And so here's the thing. To, to break an engagement in those days, you were breaking a covenant. And, and they would even look at that like divorce. But, but then, but, but if you have been, un, if you've been, un, uh, if you've been, not, if, you've, if, not been, if you've been disloyal, if you've been unfaithful to that covenant, the law says, you could take the unfaithful party outside, out, and make a public example and kill them. To make a public example, hey, you don't, you don't run around. You don't run around on your wife. You don't run around on your husband. That's what'll happen. And uh, he's, here's what he said. He said, I don't want to make a public example of her. I don't want that to happen to her. He don't, he, so he's not, well, he's minding. Here's what he's thinking. Maybe I can do this privately. Maybe we can do it in such a way, and I'm just thinking, I don't know. I'm, I'm reading in between lines, okay? Uh, so, so don't take this as Bible. But I'm just thinking, she's, he's thinking, maybe we can do it in such a way that by the time everybody finds out, they'll think it took place after we broke the engagement. So it doesn't look as bad. It, it, it'll look bad on her if she's expecting out a wedlock, but it won't be as bad if she did it while we were engaged. So he said, how can I privately do this? He's minded. And, and listen, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's also the, the thought, well, he could just stay with her. And uh, that's going to look bad. Because now he's, he's going to protect her. And now not only is she going to be made fun of for the story, he's going to share in that reproach. 
And he's going to share in that embarrassment. And he's going to share in that disbelief. Nobody's going to believe that story, Joseph. So there's a fear already taking place in his heart and his life right now. So, just, so I mean, just think about this. If Mary's got question about the virgin birth, you better believe Joseph had questions about it. And a lot of times he gets kind of overlooked in the story. Right? Joseph kind of gets, he's just kind of the side figure, right? We put him up there because he's supposed to be there and everything. He's so much of a side figure. Matter of fact, one time I read a story about a little boy whose teacher asked him to draw a picture of the nativity. And uh, he didn't get Joseph's name right. And he drew this very large man in work clothes beside Mary and the baby. And so the teacher came up to him and said, Who, who's that? He said, he said, oh, that's round John Virgin." Maybe we don't make a big enough deal about Joseph. I don't know. He thought that was the guys, that's what we were singing in Silent Night, by the way. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention there. Some of y'all tomorrow go, ah, that was funny. I didn't get that. <laughs> Round John Virgin. Anyway, just seeing if y'all paying attention, if you'll wait. But here's the thing. We may not think much about Joseph, but he has a major part in this story. I'm not going to share all the details because, Lord willing, Wednesday night we're going to talk more about him. But just in this moment, you're going you're gonna to see that as he's espoused to Mary and as he's getting ready to marry Mary, he's, about to, he's getting ready to take her as his wife. He gets this news and, and now he's got this dilemma and he knows he's not the father of this baby. He knows that. And listen, there's no precedent for a virgin birth. It's never happened before. Right? He's not going to run to the priest and say, hey, can you find in the stories in the old, can you find in the Torah where like a virgin birth happened or anything? No. No, we don't have no record of that. Go in the Talmud and see if it's ever, what do you do for that? It's never happened before. We don't have anything about, we don't have anything, that we, they have nothing to go by. So again, he's, he's got all this running through his mind. But he's a just man. And he loved Mary, obviously. If he didn't love her, he'd have no problem making her a public example. If he didn't love her, he has no problem making her look like the bad guy, get her dead and gone, and he'll move on with his life. But he loved her. He cared about her. And now, what am I going to do? And so you got to think the heartbreak that Joseph is feeling. And the fear, what am I going to do? And I can just imagine him wrestling with this decision. What do I do? How do I do it? How do we go about this? I just got to think he's tossing and he's turning. He's weighing his decision. He's casting in his mind as well. What do I do? All of a sudden, an angel shows up. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, here it is, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All of Joseph's reasoning only God knew the real answer. See, see, not only did the angel come and say, hey, Mary's telling the truth, 
He's not only vouching for Mary's purity, the angel comes in and he explains that that baby is the son of God. He's the promised savior, Joseph. It's the Messiah. He's the one you've been looking for. And he gives him a mandate. Here it is. Take unto thee Mary thy wife. The true test of Joseph's faith is, is he going to obey this simple but significant mandate from the Lord. If he obeys this, they, there's some courage involved. He believes Mary and he becomes her husband. Again, he is going to be one with her scorn and her, 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 her ostracizing. I mean, they, nobody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to take this thing seriously. And what happened was Joseph received the gift of God's peace by just submitting himself to the mandates of God. As Mary surrenders herself to the majesty of God, we watch Joseph submit himself to the mandate of God. Yes, Lord, I will marry her. And look what verse number 4, 24 says, 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him, him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now listen, how does this fit our story? Listen, today God's not bringing you a message from an angel, okay? God's message is bound between the covers of a completed Bible. That's where we have God's word and God's message. And so when we are faced with confusing, unsettling decisions, we have got to seek God's answer through the pages of his word. You know why sometimes we end up confused? You know why sometimes we become so full of fear and, and not knowing what to do? It's because we've not allowed God's word to weigh in on our decision. We have asked all the experts. We have, we have Googled it. We have, we have searched it out. We have talked to everybody on, around us. We have talked to all of the people that we've networked with, but we have not went to the Word of God. We have tried to sort out our own options. But all, listen, when we do that, we are working with limited factors. We are working inside limited uh, access. But when we go to the pages of God's Word, we are, we are going into an unlimited resource. We have God's word to guide us and to thrust us out into whatever he wants us to do and my friend there is peace in submitting ourselves to the mandates of God's word God knows all the intricate details of everything every situation you've got and from God's vantage point he instructs us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and my friend if we will choose to obey the mandates of God even if they contradict our own understanding we have listen we can leave the results to God and there's a peace about knowing I'm just doing what God said do listen you fully obey him you fully obey God then he then he assumes the full responsibility of the outcome you're just resting in him just trusting him so Mary unwraps God's peace by uh, surrendering to God's sovereignty or God's majesty Joseph surrenders or submits himself to God's Mandate, and lastly, and I'm done very quickly, go back to Luke and Luke chapter number two, and we'll look at 
One more, one more section here and we're done. Luke chapter number 2. As you're flipping to Luke chapter number 2, I, I read where there was a survey that was given and ask, it was asking people, um, who do you most identify with in the Christmas story? Who do you most identify with in the Christmas story? And one third of the participants said they most identify with the shepherds. And here's why. Those shepherds, they're like us. You know, they're average people, ordinary people, working people. Their days were filled with a routine. Uh, and, and listen, and, there's, and they, there is no reason that anybody would suspect shepherds being singled out to come see a Savior be born. I mean, why shepherds? I mean, there's a lot of typology in all that, okay? There's a bunch. I've got some other kind of stuff I've dug into that I ain't got a whole lot of I ain't got a whole lot of definite on, but I it sound it makes really good preaching about why it was shepherds. But, but there's a lot of typology in it, by the way. Anyway, but but just think about it. I mean, just ordinary shepherd men out in the fields. Why why they need to, why would they be invited to see a king be born? But one night, that mundane, routine-oriented life was completely transformed on a hillside. You're in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were, look at this, sore afraid. I don't know what all that means in the Greek, but that makes me think they got so scared they hurt themselves. You know, I don't know if it means they were tripping all over stuff, hurting themselves, or it was one of those fears, that, like, like, it was like a, it was like a gut punch. Ooh. I don't know that I've ever been that scared, but I have been in times where, where I felt like I was, I don't know if any of you, any, some of you have maybe been in accidents. I've never really been in a, a major car accident, but I've had those moments where I thought I was about to be in one, and I just, you know, it just, and it, it tensed up so much it just, it almost hurt. I don't know if that's what was going on there, but I, I don't think God uses words just to be using them. He's not just using filler words. We do that when we talk, but God don't. When he says they were sore afraid, they were sore afraid. They were scared, buddy. They were scared, right? They weren't like these rednecks running around back in the 90s where there ain't scared stickers on the back of their trucks. It's amazing. They were ain't scared, but they had like three shotguns in the back. I mean, what's, why did they need to be scared, right? I mean, anyway. <laughs> but just think about it. These shepherds, these shepherds, you know, we got shepherds in our play, and, and they're pretty tough dudes. The shepherds in the play, next Sunday, y'all need to come in. They are pretty tough dudes. But, uh, but, but real shepherds are pretty, pretty rugged men, right? They, they, they're pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty hardened men. I, I mean, you think about it, they're out there in all kinds of weather. They're outside working in the weather. They're tending the flocks. And part of that job of, of, of tending flocks would be to protect their sheep from wild animals. I mean, I, a shepherd. Think about David. David is a shepherd. And you remember what David said he did with that line? With his bare hands, grabbed him by the beard. It was like, ah! Y'all shepherds want to do that next? Y'all want to do that? Y'all want to add that to the play next Sunday? 
Get a real line in here. Hurrah! Barehanded, right? David, David killed a bear with his bare hands. That's the kind of shepherd. A shepherd who would be out in the field and they'd be a, a cougar or some kind, of, some kind of big large cat and he ain't running from it. He's going to stand and fight for his sheep. I mean, that's what kind of men we're talking about here. The kind of men you would think, man, I ain't afraid of nothing. These rugged men, hardworking men, would face stuff on a regular basis that would make us scared to death. But this man, all of a sudden, on the first Christmas night, Christmas night, are humbled by an angel. <laughs> Not a wild animal, but an angel. What an unexpected visit. How do we how do we find peace? Or how do you find peace in an unexpected circumstance? I mean, so far, all of this has been unexpected. Mary's unexpected. Joseph, that's unexpected. And these shepherds, it's very unexpected. Well, verse number 10, the angel answers that. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, savior, David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign, unto you, a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine being in that field that night, hearing that message? But you know, that message, though it was said to those men specifically, it is still a message that rings true today. It's a message of peace for me. It's a message for peace for you. And God's message, notice what it says in verse number 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There's no, there's no tag to that. There's no... Uh, boundary to that there's no racial boundary no nationality boundary no social status boundary no gender boundary there's no barriers in place here this goodwill that's being brought that night is toward men in general toward everybody and so how can we face the unexpected? How can we have peace during that time? Well, we come, we have, the only way we can find that peace, here it is, is unto you a Savior. Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus is the only peace giver. When you know Jesus as Savior, you know Him in the peace that He gives for forgiven sin. When you know Him as Lord, you know the peace of His authority in your life. And when you know Him, you know Him by the peace of knowing the Prince of Peace Himself. That message they gave those shepherds that night, it changed their life. It was a message of peace. You know what the Bible says? They looked at each other. And they went, and they did as the angels said. They went looking for him. Here's, here's what I see here. As I saw Mary finds peace 
in surrendering to the majesty of God and Joseph finds peace in submitting to the mandate of God. These shepherds find peace in just seeking the miracle of God. Just seeking him. Just looking for God. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger how'd they respond they beat a path to the Savior when they got there they found the presence of God you know a lot of times we try to manufacture our own peace we try to surround ourselves in this bubble of security so nothing can penetrate. We, we put our confidence in our family. We put our confidence in our jobs, our friends, our health, maybe your education or whatever else. But you know in your most vulnerable moment, none of that's going to really help. See, see, all of those things can disappear just like that. When unexpected things come, what do we do now? See, our confidence, our trust must be in God. But the only way you're going to, your only way you're going to find that peace, the only way you're going to experience that peace and that security that He has for you is do like these shepherds and seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And Hebrews 10 and 22 says this, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We look this morning at Emmanuel, he's God with us. The only way you're going to find his peace is to seek him. And, and, and there's not a tangible manger you can visit. I've been to Bethlehem. I've been there. I've seen all the stuff. I've seen the crazy Catholic church. Uh, that had the little rock wall that, that you know, had uh, that, uh, that they say that's where he was born and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know all of that. I don't believe none of that, to be honest with you. It's just a tourist trap. But there's not a tangible manger we can go to tonight. But we've got the written word right here at our fingertips. We have the promises of God's word. And God through His Word comforts us. And the Spirit of God that guides us into that truth, He comforts us as we sung earlier tonight. The Comforter has come. And here's what He says, Fear not, I am with you. The peace of God goes with the presence of God. Isn't it sad? It's tragic. It's sad that this very season that we are celebrating the birth of Christ is so busy we hardly have time to really seek God. We don't take the time to shut the world out and seek God's face through the pages of Scripture. They were invited to the presence of Christ. Go see Him. And what did they do? They forsook everything to go see the Lord. And what a transformation that presence of God made in their lives. So I ask you, 
What's standing in the way of you having the peace of God? Is it that you've not surrendered to the majesty of God? Have you not surrendered to God's will for your life? What, what's, what's standing in the way of you having the peace of God? Is it that you've not submitted to the mandate, the plan that God's got for your life? The, the whatever he, he has told you. You're not, you're not wondering what it is. You know what it is. You're just not obeying it. You know what God wants you to do. I'm not talking about 20 years from now. I'm not talking about five years from now. You know what God wants you to do right now. You're just not surrendering it. You're not, you're not going to submit to it yet, so you don't have no peace. Or maybe it's just because you're not seeking the Lord. This is simple preaching. So you don't even read your Bible regularly. You don't even pray regularly. You wonder why you have no peace. You fill your mind with social media. You fill your mind with political news. You fill your mind with all the things of this world and never fill your mind with the Word of God. You never seek the Lord and you wonder why there's no peace. Because peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So stop trying to manufacture peace this Christmas and seek the Prince of Peace. There's a gift. He's trying to give it. Are you going to receive it? There's a gift of peace that God wants to give you. And all you've got to do is submit yourself to Him. Surrender your life to Him. Seek Him while He may be found. Draw nigh unto Him and He will draw nigh unto you. You say, I, I just feel like I ain't close to God like I ought to be. Then get close to Him. You're as close to God as you want to be. Draw nigh unto Him tonight. Get close to him tonight and find the gift of peace that he has for you. Seek the Lord while he may be found tonight.